Stephen Furtick this one today. Um, but in general, yes is a, is a better answer than no. Um, if you think about growing up, uh, my parents were, were kind of strict, and so they said no a lot of times, and I always wanted them to say yes. Yes was always the preferred answer. Like, can I go stay over at my friend Scott's house? And occasionally they would say yes. Can I get those new shoes? Can I play on the basketball team? At 16 years old, I asked my parents if I could go uh, to Florida and spend Christmas with a friend and his family down in Florida, and they said yes. I didn't expect that, but they said yes. And so in general, yes is better than no. If you work uh, on a team and maybe you're presenting something to your boss, it's something to help the company, and you put a lot of effort into it, and you really believe that your idea is good for the company and you present it to him, you're hoping that his answer is going to be yes, like, yes, let's do that. Or if you're in sales, those of you that work in sales, and you put all of the effort into uh, engaging with the, the potential client and you're telling them all of the great things about your product and why your product's better than everybody else's, and you spend all of this time, sometimes hours and hours and hours, putting together this presentation, making it to where you're, you know, your, your company, you personally are barely making any profit off of it, but it's how, you're, it's how you do your job. And so you present it to them, and it's that moment of, of closing the deal, and you're hoping that they say what? You're hoping they say yes. Like, we want people to say yes. If you put in your vacation request, you're hoping that it's, that it's approved. And all of us in here have decisions that we've made in life that we can look back and we can trace where we are today back to a significant decision, that that decision set the wheels in motion that brought us to where we are today. Maybe it was saying yes to the college you attended. That, that step is what you look back and go, man, if I didn't say yes to that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Or maybe it's getting married, the person that you said yes to, to marry and start a family with. Maybe it's the career path you chose. You had options and you had to pick one and you said yes. And when you said yes, it ultimately has led you to where you are today. Even moving here. I mean, for a lot of us, a lot of us are transplants. We live here, but we're not from here. And we can link a decision, a moment where we said yes, that ultimately led us to where we are today. And yes, in general, is something we all say, but yes, in general, is better than, than no. Because when you say yes to the right things, when you say yes to things that matter, it's a game changer. It changes everything about our lives. Like, yes is permission. Yes is potential. Yes is momentum. Yes is excitement. Yes is stepping out in faith today and trusting that everything is still going to be okay tomorrow. And when you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, it has the potential to change your life. And we've talked about this. We talk about this a lot here. Yes is not a one-time decision to give your life to Jesus. When you say yes to giving your heart to Jesus, you are saying yes to a lifetime of yeses. The understood among first century disciples and among us today that call ourselves followers of Jesus is that it isn't just a yes I said 30 years ago. It's the belief and the understanding that he is going to continue to call me to say yes to something else. And I'm going to say yes to whatever it is that he's calling me to say yes to. Our mission statement at Generation is helping people say yes to Jesus. I believe that Jesus is calling every one of us in here who professes to be a follower of Jesus. He's calling every one of us in here to say yes to something right now. You look at the, the course of your life and you say, well, man, I, I said yes to the, to the prayer. I, I come to church every weekend. I serve on a ministry team. That's all good and well. That's awesome. You should do that. I want you to continue to do that. 
But I believe he's calling you to say yes to something else right now, that every one of us, there's a yes that is, that is in front of us. And if you look at the disciples, as we, like when walking through the book of Matthew, we've seen a lot of examples of the disciples. They just said yes to whatever it is that Jesus called them to do. But you can look even back further, look in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is stories full of, of individuals that said yes to what God was calling them to do. God showed up, God spoke, and they said yes. Think about Noah, sometimes the ridiculous things. Think about Noah in Genesis chapter 6. God appears to, to Noah and tells Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood, and I'm going to spare your family and apparently a bunch of animals. And he says, I want you to build an ark. No, it had never rained before. So God's going to destroy the, the, the earth with rain, and Noah's like, what is, we've never even seen rain. What is that? So maybe God explains to him what rain is, and then he's like, okay, so you want me to build a what? And he's like, an ark. And Noah's probably like, what's an ark? God's like, oh, it's a boat. And Noah's like, that doesn't really help me. Like, we don't, like, we don't understand what is happening. We've never experienced what you're talking about. God was calling him to say something that was ridiculous. But Noah said yes. And every day for 120 years, in spite of his doubts, in spite of his frustrations, in spite of the ridicule he experienced at the hands of the people around him. I'm like, could you imagine that? God's going to flood the earth. And everyone's like, it's, like that, that doesn't make any sense. It'd be like if you lived in Mexico and someone saw you and you're like, what are you preparing for? And you're like, I'm preparing for the great blizzard. It doesn't snow in Mexico, so, so what are you doing? And for 120 years, he's preparing for this. He's saying yes to God. Or how about Abraham? Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God appears to him. In Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Abram is what his name was originally. It was later changed to Abraham. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So God, Yahweh, appears to this man named Abram in Genesis chapter 12 and says, follow me. And if you follow me, I'll make you a great nation. Another passage that tells us that, that God would make him the father of many nations. So he says, if, if you follow me, if you leave everything you know, if you leave your homeland, Abraham was 75 at the time. If you leave your country, the only country you've ever known, if you leave your extended family, friends, the people in the community around you, if you leave your father's house. Now, this wasn't like what we experienced. A lot of us have moved away from home, but maybe once or twice a year, we go back and visit. God wasn't saying, hey, Abram, follow me. And a couple times a year, you can come back here. You can see your parents. You can see your relatives. It wasn't like, follow me, and every day you can text. Follow me, and every night you can FaceTime. God was calling him to say goodbye to everything and everyone he knew and to say goodbye to them, not for the day, not for the week, not for the year, but for the rest of his life. God said, you'll never see them again. But will you say yes? And Abraham said yes. Moses said yes to being the one that God would use to deliver his people from captivity in Egypt. Rahab said yes to hiding the spies, knowing that if the, the, the town found out that she was hiding them, the spies would be killed, but also she would be killed. 
Samuel said yes to being the prophet that would raise up the first king in the nation of Israel. You've got some lesser-known people like Barak and Jephthah who were judges who said yes to delivering the people. You have the widow who, when Elijah said to her, hey, you're about to die, you're about to starve, you and your son, you have one meal left. Feed me your last meal, and I promise you, you'll be taken care of. They were planning to eat that meal and die. But he said, if you'll do this for me, pretty big leap of faith, kind of a, a, an imposing thing for Elijah to ask, hey, give me your last meal. But she said, yes. You've got story after story. You could go on for days about people in the Bible who God called them to do something. God asked something of them, and they said, and they said yes. They sensed his voice. They put their plans and their agendas aside, and they said yes. And the purpose of this series is to help every one of us in here say yes to whatever it is that Jesus is calling us to say yes to. I believe that he's calling you to say yes to something today. He's calling me to say yes to something today. The only question is, are we going to actually say yes and then move forward? And the purpose of this series has been about helping us identify God's voice, getting that, 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 that time to get away from, every, from everyone, the solitude and silence, to not only be able to identify his voice, but then to be able to clarify and discern what it is that he's saying. And then today, it's all about saying yes. It, it, today is about stopping the excuses Stop trying to find reasons to, to say no. Today is about saying yes to whatever it is that he's calling you to say yes to. And so I want to give you a few things that I hope will encourage, but then also challenge us as we process that, that next yes. Number one is this, saying yes to Jesus starts by saying no to self. You know, one of the things that all of the biblical examples that we talked about have in common is that they had to deny themselves in order to be obedient to God. Take Moses, for instance. Moses was born a Jew, but was raised by Pharaoh's daughter because all of the male, the, all the male babies born to the Jews are to be killed. So his mom hid him in, uh, in a river. Pharaoh's daughter finds him as a baby, brings him into her home, raises him. He's now the grandson of Pharaoh. He is in line to potentially replace Pharaoh. But as he grows up, he learns about his, his heritage and his lineage, and he finds out that he's a Jew. And so he begins to, to have sympathy on the Jews who are being oppressed and abused by the Egyptians. And so one day he kills an Egyptian. And then Pharaoh is going to have him killed. So Moses runs to the wilderness. He's there for 40 years. I don't know if everything's going great, but everything's going okay. He's in, in the wilderness. He's tending sheep. He's gotten married. He's got a family. This is how he's going to live out the rest of his life. And God shows up and has this, Moses has this experience with God, and God says, I want you to go back to Egypt. And Moses' response is not going to happen. Like, why would I go back to Egypt? You do realize they want to kill me. I don't have the ability. I can't speak. I have all of these reasons you shouldn't call me. But God says, I want you to go. And in order for Moses to be obedient, Moses, Moses had to deny himself. He had to deny his desire to stay right where he was in order to chase and pursue what God was calling him, what God was calling him to do. How about Abraham? Abraham was 75 years old. As they say, he was on the back nine of life. He was playing out the clock. 
He was at the age where, like, you're, you're not, it's, it's it, Abraham's perspective is probably like, if this is a young man's game, go call somebody young. Like 75, I can't wait till I'm 75. You think about it, at 75, you can get away with all the things that none of us in this room can get away with, but you can get away with it because you're old and you're 75. Abraham was just kind of living out that life like he was on the, probably on the same sleep schedule as a newborn. Like, th think about being, being 75. I was with a guy one time, and he brought his dad, and we're sitting and having a cup of coffee, and I look up, and his dad is falling asleep. And so I kind of move over to, like, wedge myself between him because he's about to fall over to keep him upright. But I thought, man, I can't wait till I'm at that age where I could have coffee with you and you're boring me and I just fall asleep and nobody thinks anything of it. Like he could wear, Abraham could wear like knee-high socks and sandals and it's okay because he's old. Like I go to the movie theater and even in the middle of the summer, I always bring a jacket because I get cold. And people always make fun of me. It's like a million degrees outside and you got a jacket. When I'm 75, no one's going to think twice. Like I think about Abraham and I'm like, that's where he was in life. There's nothing new to gain. There's nothing new to pursue. You're secure. You're safe. You've got a family. You've got a good life. And, and all of a sudden, God shows up and says, will you give all of that up and become a nomad and follow me? And the Bible says that even when Abraham died, he still had not seen the fulfillment of the promise that God made to him. He had to deny himself in order to say yes. For every one of us in here, we're never going to say yes to Jesus until we first learn to say no to ourselves. And Jesus talked about that a lot. I mean, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, the crowds are gathering around him. There, there, were, there was no shortage of people who were saying, we want to follow you. Like people were seeing, think about it, Jesus is doing miracles. He's healing the sick, raising the dead, curing leprosy, feeding thousands of people, teaching with authority making the religious leaders look foolish, and the common people are applauding and going, this is the guy. This may be the Messiah. And so they're coming to him, and they're saying, we want to follow you. We want to follow you because of all of the things that you can do. And Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. He says, if you want to say yes to me, it starts by saying no to yourself. And you know, I think that's where a lot of us feel tension right now. Because we want to say yes to Jesus. Problem is, we're not ready to say no to self. You know, one of the greatest fears I have for my own life is that I'm going to get to the end of my life and look back and realize that I said yes to a lot of really good things, but none of those really good things mattered for the kingdom that I was too busy saying yes to good things that I wanted and I missed out on the best things that God wanted for me and God wanted from me. Think about all the things that, that we say yes to in life today. They're not bad, like career advancement, hobbies, filling our calendar full of extracurricular activities. None of those are bad things. Say yes to money. If you don't have enough money, you find a job that'll pay you the money you think you need to support the lifestyle you that, that is probably already too excessive. We say yes to education, to comfort. We're filling our schedules and our lives 
saying yes to, to self, saying yes to me. And then I find myself frustrated because I can't say yes to Jesus because I don't have enough time. Listen to me. This is not, saying yes to Jesus is not a time issue. It's a surrender issue. It's, it's, it, listen, God did not give you all of the things that you have in life. He didn't give me all the things that I have in life so that those could be idols that compete with, that compete with him. He didn't give you the job that you have so that your job would be the reason you can't say yes to him. He didn't give you the abilities that you have. He didn't give us the money that we have so that it would be those things that keep us from saying yes to him. It's a surrender issue. It's learning to say no to self. Because listen, I, I get it. You, you probably think, man, that it sounds like I don't think your wants, desires, plans, and ambitions matter. They do matter. But they're secondary. And the moment you said yes to following Jesus, you said yes to a lifetime of saying yes to Jesus, which meant that everything that I want still matters, but everything that I want is secondary to what he wants. That we say yes to him first and foremost. Saying yes to Jesus for every one of us begins every day when we wake up and we choose to say no to self. We choose to surrender control of everything, including our plans, our ambitions, and our desires, and surrender all of that to him. Another thing I would tell you is say yes. Learn to say yes before the question is even asked. Ever have someone come up to you and say, can you do me a favor? Who in here, be honest, who in here just blindly says yes if someone says, can you do me a favor? Yeah, we got some nice people in the room. Never say yes. It's always maybe. Like, it depends. Because, like, if you're going to ask me for a piece of gum, sure. But if you're going to ask me to donate a kidney, I don't know that I'm ready to say yes to that just yet. So if someone asks you if, they can do you, if you can do them a favor, you generally speaking, you're going to be like, most likely, but at least give me some information. I need to know what it is that I'm saying that I'm saying yes to. But now when I was growing up, if you grew up in a home anything like mine, and I know some of you did, there was no question in our home who the leader was. My dad was the dictator, and he made all the rules, and everybody did what he said. So growing up, I can remember times where my dad would come up to me and say, hey, can you do me a favor? That was just a nice way of telling me what I was about to do. No was never an option, right? If you grew up in a, in a home like that, because if my dad said, can you do me a favor, and I said maybe, he'd be like, okay, let me rephrase that and tell you what you're going to do. Like, like it was just that simple. And, and, I, and obviously Jesus isn't asking us to do him a favor, but, but think, what if, it, what if we lived with that type of surrender? What if we lived with that type of surrender that, that like my dad, my dad said, can you do me a favor? The answer was 100% yes, there's, there's no other answer. What if we lived with a level of surrender that when Jesus called us, when Jesus spoke to us, that we had already made up our mind that the answer was going to be yes before he even asked the question. For first century disciples, first century disciples were known to say yes before the question was even asked. That the master knew that his disciples were going to say yes regardless of what it was, regardless of what it cost them, and the posture of a disciple was to, to, was to humbly and joyfully say yes, regardless of the question before the question was even asked. I want to live a life that says yes to Jesus 
before you even ask the question. Whatever you want, my time, my money, my convenience, my comfort, all of it belongs to you. All of it is yours. I say yes before the question is even asked. Third thing I would tell you is say yes to what is right in front of you. Take, take Peter, for instance. So Peter was one of the disciples. Peter was the guy that got asked to preach the message on the day of Pentecost. If you, know, if you don't know that, in Acts chapter 2, G, or Acts chapter 1, Jesus is ascended into heaven. Acts 2, he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down like fire. All of these people are gathered together. Peter gets up and preaches the, the message of the gospel. And 3,000 people say yes to giving their lives to Jesus. Peter got asked to do that. Like, like if you were to inventory pastors, every pastor you know, and you were to say, hey, of all of the great sermons that have ever been preached in the history of the world, if you could have been asked to preach one of them, which one would it be? Most, if not all of us, would say, if I could get to preach one, it would have been that one. I, if you read it in Acts chapter 2, it's not even that great of a sermon. He didn't have great stories in there. There weren't a lot of illustrations. He didn't talk about his own personal life. But yet the power of the Holy Spirit was there in such a way that 3,000 people followed Jesus. If I could preach any message ever, that would have been it. Peter got asked to preach that, and he said yes. Jesus asked Peter to be the leader of the church at Jerusalem. Peter said yes. And when confronted with the cross, it's believed that Peter, uh, when being confronted with dying for his faith, knew he was going to hang on a cross, and he asked that they flip the cross upside down because he said he didn't feel like he was worthy to die the same, in the same manner that Jesus died. And when, it, and when confronted with the cross, Peter said yes. And you're probably in here thinking, like, I'm not ready to say yes to any of that stuff. You know, even though Peter was asked to say yes to those things, that's not where it started for Peter. First time Jesus asked him to do something, Peter wasn't even his disciple. Jesus is teaching the crowds at the Sea of Galilee, and he's backing up as the crowds continue to get bigger and are pressing more and more uh, into him. And so he gets back eventually to the edge of the, of the water, and maybe he wasn't ready to do the walk-on-water trick just yet. Uh, and so he's there, and he looks over, and there's Peter and Andrew in a boat. They're fishermen. And he says, hey, Pete, can I climb in that boat, and will you row it out away from the shore? First time Peter said yes, was just row the boat away from the shore. Think about it. Peter was a fisherman. He did that every single day, every morning and night. That's what Peter did. He'd get in that boat. He'd row it out from the shore. He'd row it back in. First thing Jesus ever asked him to do was so simple and obvious. It was something that he had done every day of his life. And Jesus said, I want you to do it. You've done every day of your life. I just want you to do it for a different purpose. And Peter said yes to the simple and obvious step. When you think about Peter, you think about all of these great things that he accomplished, maybe the doubting or the uh, denial thing too, but, but you think about all the great things that he accomplished, but it didn't start there. It started by rowing the boat from the shore. What's going to limit some of us today is we're waiting for God to call us to do the big thing. We're waiting for the Sermon on the Day of Pentecost, leader of the Church of Jerusalem, dying on a cross. We're waiting for that level of yes. And the reality is he's calling you to do something that's so much more simple, so much more obvious, to just simply take a step, to take the first step for some of us. And you got to be willing to 
say yes. Don't wait for the big call. Maybe you're here and you go, man, I'm waiting for God to call me to end world hunger. That's awesome, and I hope he does. Do you, man, I'm waiting for him to call me to end world hunger, and he's going, well, there's a place down the street called with love from Jesus that feeds hungry people. Why don't you start there? Why don't you say yes to that? But say yes to what's right in front of you. Maybe it's pick up the phone and call someone that you know you need to speak with. Maybe it's sending a letter, sharing a meal. Maybe it's about involvement here at Generation. Generation has become your church community. This is your church family. You've been here for a while, and you're not really engaging. And maybe the next yes is is to step up your involvement here. Every one of you got one of these cards on the way in here. Some of these are about your involvement here at Generation, but some of them aren't. Some of them are, are outside the building. God very well, Jesus likely is calling you to say yes to something that may not even take place here. And so what we want you to do is to take these cards, and we want, we're asking you to fill them out and drop them in uh, the bucket at the tent outside when you leave, but to take one of these cards and say, I'm ready to say yes. It's something that's listed here or the, the other. Maybe it's something that we're not even talking about today. But what is it that he's calling you to say yes to. Maybe he's calling you to give up something that's keeping you from drawing closer to him. Something that you've made an idol in your life and it's competing for it's competing for a supremacy in your life and the call today, the yes for you today is to remove something from your life that's interfering with your surrender to Jesus. Whatever it is, say yes. Maybe it's something relationally. Maybe it's to start the journey towards forgiveness. Whatever it is, say yes today. And then the fourth thing I'll tell you is continue to say yes when it doesn't make sense. As you and I continue to say yes to what is obvious, to what is right in front of us, to things that make sense, eventually he's going to start to call us to do some things that don't make sense. I remember when we were called away from church that we had worked at in the area. We were there for six years, and I was a young student pastor and living a good life. Uh, Jen and I, had we just had Kendall, so had a family, and things were going well, and there were opportunities to do other things there. And I remember speaking with uh, one of the, the pastors, and I remember him saying to me, um, just kind of walking through everything, and he said, well, he's like, here's what I tell you, Jarrett. God doesn't call you from something to nothing. He was calling us to move to an area we didn't know, to start a church. In fact, the, the first week we met uh, as a church, it was Jen, myself, Kendall, and another couple that was crazy enough to show up in their kid. That was it. So God was calling us to that. And so he said to me, he said, God doesn't call you from something to nothing. And I didn't really have any response. I remember leaving, and I don't, I don't know if you've ever been there, like you getting a, you know, a contentious conversation with someone, and then you think of the great rebuttal later after it's too late. I had that moment where I'm like, oh, man, I wish I'd have thought about that five minutes ago. I got in the car, and the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, the reality is God always calls you from something to nothing. He said, if you don't believe it, just look in the Bible. Abraham, something, security, life, comfort, to now living the life of a nomad, that sure feels a lot like something to nothing. God always calls you from something to nothing. That's what the faith journey is all about. And God's going to call us to do some things that, that don't make sense. They don't make sense to me. There are things God's called me to do that, that I've said yes to, that even today, I know he called me to do it. I know it's the right thing, but it didn't make sense, and it still doesn't make sense. 
might not make sense to the people around you, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your family. But at the end of the day, it's about him and it's about surrender to him. It's not about your comfort and your security. It's about your pursuit of him. And if he's calling you to say yes to it, then you've got to say yes to it regardless. You've got to say yes to it in spite of, in spite of your fear. I think for a lot of us, we, we fear things like, man, what if I get it wrong? Well, you're in great company if, if that's your fear. Peter was pretty much a train wreck the majority of his life, but it didn't stop Jesus from calling him and using him in a powerful way. Maybe your concern is that, that you're not good enough. You don't know enough. That what's limiting you right now is, is the weakness, weakness in your life. And you're like, man, I'm just not strong enough to do this. I think about Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So Paul had some sort of physical infirmity that he felt like was limiting his ability to advance the kingdom. So three different times he asked God to remove it from him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, each time he said to me, my grace is all you need because my power works best in weakness. Our fears, our insecurities, our shortcomings, when we're aware of them, that's a really good thing because Jesus says when you become aware of them, now you're ready for me to bring my strength and my power because my power works best in your weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. How many people do you know boast about their weaknesses? Like in a job interview, like, hey, let me talk about my weaknesses. No, it's like, let me tell you about three or four things I'm really good at. Paul says, let me tell you about my weaknesses. I'm okay with my weaknesses because it's through my weakness that the power of Christ works through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Say yes in spite of your fears. Say yes in spite of your shortcomings. Say yes to whatever it is that he's calling you. Say yes even when you don't have all the answers. How many of us are, are, are here thinking, okay, I'm at point A, and ultimately God's leading me to point B, and I'm okay with saying yes, but I just need to have all 47 yeses laid out for me. Right, like, like I'll say yes, even if two or three of them are things I'm like, I'm not really excited about that. I can handle them as long as I know what they are. And for some of us, what's going to limit us from saying yes is the fact that we don't have all of the information to get from where we are to ultimately where God is calling us to. And we're not going to say yes because we don't have all the answers. But if you think about life, how many other things do we wait to have all the answers to before we say yes? Think about marriage. How many of you knew everything there was to know about marriage before you got married? The only people who would say yes to that are people who aren't married yet. Like about three months after you get married, you realize, oh, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. We didn't know everything there was to know about getting married. How many of us waited till we could afford kids to have kids? People will tell me I'm waiting till we can afford it. I'm like, well, you're never going to have them. But eventually, you just, eventually you just start having kids. Or even moving here. Like a lot of us are transplants. We live here, but we're not from here. But how many of us knew everything there was to know about Clayton? Man, everything about your neighborhood, the house you're living in, the school that, that your kids are in, 
the community around you. The reality is it's impossible for us to know that. What did we do? We did the research. We learned what we could learn. Researched the neighborhood, the HOA. Contacted the school, maybe talked to the principal. Expecting that the principal is going to transparently tell you that their school's terrible. We talked to the principal. Maybe came here and looked around. But at the end of the day, we gathered the information. We hopefully sought counsel. We prayed about it, but we knew what we could know. And then we took a leap with everything else that knew. That's what I'm asking you to do today. Rely on what you can, what you can know. But then take a leap of faith with everything else. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith and not by sight. So it makes followers of Jesus different. Sight living is what we want. Sight living is comfortable. But Jesus hasn't called us to live by sight. He's called us to live by faith. To believe and trust that he is who he says he is and commit our lives to it. So today the challenge is simple. Today I want you to say yes. I believe God's calling every one of us in here to say yes to something. Maybe you're here, that, maybe you're here this morning and you've never said yes to that first yes, his offer of eternal life. And if you're here, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your story is. Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again to pay for your sins to reconcile you back to God. Maybe you say, I'm a horrible person. Well, Paul said that he was the chief of sinners. There can only be one chief. You may be like the assistant chief, but you're not the chief. So I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. Jesus inserted himself into the brokenness of our humanity. He loves every one of us. And he gave his life so that we could have eternal life with him. Your first yes today may be to his offer of eternal life. You say, how do I say yes to that? Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you believe it in your heart, like right now, do you believe that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again to pay for your sins? Maybe push back and say, I've got a lot of other questions. Why is there suffering in the world or whatever it is? I'm not asking you to answer all those other questions. I'm asking you to answer this one question. Do you believe that to be true? There may be a, a feeling in your stomach. That's the Holy Spirit that's telling you that what I'm saying is true. Do you believe that to be true? It says if we believe that in our heart and then we confess it with our mouth, that we're saved, we're spared from being eternally separated from God. So if you're here this morning and that's your yes, all you got to do is tell God in your own words that you believe that Jesus lived and died for you and that you accept his offer of eternal life. You tell him that in your own words. That's your, that's for some of you, that's your yes today. For others of you in here, maybe your yes is something regarding uh, taking a deeper level of engagement in this church community. We celebrate that. We want you to say yes to that. Or maybe for some of you, it's a yes that's, that's outside of this room, that's outside of this building. And we want to celebrate that as well. And so I want you to stand with me. Today is a, is a day where, where we, we've talked about saying yes for the last four weeks, and now it's time to just do it. Now it's just time to say, to say yes, to, to stop making excuses, 
to, to stop coming up with all of the, the negative things about what we sense he's calling us to do and to just simply say yes. And so, Father, we just come before you right now. We know that you are active, you are present, your spirit is here. Jesus, you're calling every one of us to say yes to something. I pray that we would identify that yes and we would move forward in obedience. It's crazy to me to think that the God of the universe is involved in the personal, everyday stuff of life with each and every one of us in here, but you are. Think about all the things that I've said yes to in my life. And to think I get to say yes to the God of the universe. Pray that we would hold nothing back. That we would just say yes. Because Jesus, you are worth it. You are the only thing in this life that is. It's in your name that we pray.